We're on. Hey, Mr. Jason, how you doing? Hello, Mr. Craig. Great. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing very well, and I'm super excited about this episode. How about what you? Good. Yeah. It's the walk of shame. Five hiring fails every PNC agent should avoid doing. Ooh. You know how I know? How do you know? Because I think both you and I have done all of these things. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance dudes. Yeah, so let's get into one, and the end of this is going to be really good. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. Do you have a surprise? Maybe. Okay, Maybe. well, welcome everybody who's listening. This is the Insurance Dudes, and, and uh, we're all grateful you're here. I thought it'd be fun to take a little stroll down memory lane and look at five of the biggest mistakes that probably cost us tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars over the span of years of learning how to, you know, learning, right? It's the tuition. Yes. Yeah. So you learn from our mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. So number one. Number one. Number one. This is this is fairly well. This is pre-COVID, 2019. I remember opening up that. So the first the first hiring pitfall. So I opened up that second location, November first, two uh, 2019 was the date that it's opening, and I had to hire fast. Problem, right? Well, we got to hire fast, especially quantity. So I my grand scale was to do have ten producers on day one, and uh, and have one manager running it, and I. That was a really wonderful notion to think. But if I wanted that, I had to start a lot, lot, lot earlier and gone through a lot more people and also probably not had the the notion that some other person was going to be able to run that operation, at least right. not in the beginning. So a lot of, I guess, false hopes in there. And what happened? Well, we so because we got so many people so fast, first the manager quit. So, oh well. Uh, and then yeah. almost all of them left. We we got down to two and then basically had to do uh rehiring over the next couple months there. But Brutal. it felt terrible, man. I was so frustrated. It was almost like de- you remember that it was kind of like desperation yeah. because you don't you miss that window and you're in trouble. Yep. And I remember doing Something very similar. Well, you, you know, even opening that our second agency, they give you the uh, captive agency gives you basically a month to ramp up, right? That you yeah. can write policy. So within that time, they want you to have 10 people at the end of that month. And it's like, <laughs> well, we, we know how anybody that knows about hiring knows that it takes a little time to get 10 of the right people. It's going to take a little time. I love the constraint. Like it's like constrained thinking, right? So like this exercise is great in a non real situation, but it was good in a real situation because it, it taught us that like, okay, so you have a month so we can maybe backdate this a little bit more. Maybe we could go a month before, but how do we get 10 people in the seat? So then it's like the reverse funnel. All right. We need a ton of people 
We have to prospect on a ton of different sites. We have to bring in a ton of people. How do we do this? Should we do group interviews? We did group interviews. And then it was like, how many of those group interviews to the single interview, to the uh, coming into the agency, to the training, to the get them ready to, to sell on the phone. So a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff and it pushed us really hard and it wasn't easy. I mean, there were tears involved. There were lots of tears. So, but, but on a normal basis, this shouldn't be something that should be done, right? This should, I mean, you should not rush the process. I remember when I first started and (coughs) there's a few times that we needed an agent, but we waited until the previous agent was uh, expiring and that person you know, we knew that they weren't the right person, especially this one that I'm thinking of in particular, and she wasn't the right person. And she was causing just so much turmoil in the office. It was a bad vibe. It, there was a lot of tension. It put a You're lot of strain ahead. On, not just me as the manager, but the other teammates, right? Because we kept them because we didn't have somebody lined up ready to go. And then it's like, oh, should I get somebody to go? And then by the time when she left, then it's like this rush to get somebody else in. And it's like, we could have made this pretty easy that, you know, start the hiring process early. That doesn't, right. don't need to rush the process. No, you don't need to rush the process until you need to rush the process. And you don't want to get to that place where you need to rush the process. And then you need to rush the process. Right. <laughs> and then you're in trouble. And I remember in my mind thinking, well, I could go slow, but if I go slow, I'm not going to have anybody to write business. And so counterintuitively, you start doing it incorrectly, rushing, and you create the cycle because you keep getting bad candidates don't have culture. So that's one out of five. What's number two? That takes us right into ignoring the cultural fit. Oof. So, so many times, and and there's so much, there's so much ego involved in this and having to be right. Mm. Right. So I remember interviewing one guy, there's a bunch of them, but I can remember one in particular, everybody said, do not bring him on. Do not bring this guy on. He is going to be problems. They knew him. They said it, but guess who's (laughs) always right. But, but what were you thinking? Well, I said, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't understand the mechanics of, of this business. They don't write enough. They're just afraid. But, you know, I made up every excuse why they weren't right. And I was right. What did he have that, that you saw that you thought? Well, he was on the top of all the charts of the producers in the area. So uh, he was, so I got blinded gotcha. by, by results. But what's interesting is they were right. And I think it's probably all fixed now, but there were a good two or three years where there were issues. Yeah, could he write a hundred items? Sure. Were right. they a hundred great items? Nah. Were yep. they fifty? Maybe. Right. And then how how many other people wrote less because they needed timeouts during the day, bothered by the dude? Like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know they'll take the leads and start qualifying themselves, so they're actually burning the leads that would have gotten properly talked to by somebody else. Hundred percent. Yeah, and, and then, if it doesn't look juicy enough. I think this is ignoring the cultural fit. An easy way to avoid this, and I didn't do this for so long, is to have core values, to have a list of core values that you evaluate each person against so that it's clear if you do not agree with this 100%, if this is not you, this is not the right job for you. And to make sure that 
you judge them based on, and they judge themselves and self-select in or out based on the core values on what you actually expect. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's number two. What's number three? You know, what's interesting is, is creating the core values is another one of these processes that is, is not the most delightful or fun or exciting things. Same as creating the process that you do for hiring, right? And onboarding and all these different things. All are not the most sexy thing in the world to be doing, but once done, everything else will run. That's what we found, right? Is that it, it tended to run smoother. Um, yes, so number course. three, yes, of course. Number three, mm-hmm. overvaluing experience. Uh-huh. So there's a few things here, right? I used to do this a lot where we would only hire for licensed who had experience with our carrier. Talk about limiting your pool, right? <laughs> Terrible. And they weren't we, great at what they did? No, it's so interesting. You know, <laughs> we, we'd get these people from another agency and you'd think they'd be awesome. But mm. alas, they were not. Why? If they were so great that they probably would still be at the other agency. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so it's important to not let insurance experience or especially carrier experience or having a license be limiting factors because what you do is you cut down that candidate pool and you really prevent the opportunities that you need. And there are so many good people that we've brought on that have come from other places, nothing to do with insurance. And it's that age old thing. Whatever's easy at the beginning is hard at the end. And whatever's hard at the beginning is easy at the end. And if you bring somebody on with bad habits from another agency, yep. It might be easy in the front, in the beginning, because they know the systems, they know you could just put them there, but then you realize that they have years of experience of how to do things. Somebody else's way, which usually is not the most efficient or the most profitable or, uh, or the most ethical. Yeah. And then, so, so then untraining them in that becomes really hard at the back at the back of it. Yeah. You're going to train one way or the other, whether it's untraining or training, right? I mean, untraining is the high cost. That is not an easy one. Usually too, it will spread. So whatever the little bad habits to, to cheat the system, to take all the shortcuts, then they start training your current team. Right. That's not good. Yeah. And talk about that that's like the Trojan horse virus in the in the system there. Okay. Right? That's number three, overvaluing experience. I think we've all yeah. been there. You didn't want to number die four. down the world of Trojan horse viruses. You seem to cut me off and just wanted to move to the next. Oh let's go. Let's go. So skipping reference checks. I'm guilty, Mr. Jason. You're guilty. Okay. I bet yeah. you every person listening right now, guilty. 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 You are innocent until proven guilty, so we're not going to do anything. <laughs> but just remember, skipping the reference checks is something. This is something that is very simple to do, right? You pick up the phone, make a make a call, talk to somebody real quick. Shoot, you can even email them if you don't want to pick the phone up. But right. failing to do that, especially when it's right there, can cost you a lot of money. I remember bringing somebody on who was great in the interview. I thought was phenomenal. She was a manager somewhere else, not in, not in insurance, but I didn't check her background. Well, came to find out 
when she got through licensing, no problem. But and licensing didn't tell me that she had a felony for racketeering. I don't know how she ended up getting the license <laughs> approved. I don't understand. She worked through it herself, and then uh, yeah, she was falling asleep at the desk. It was it was very interesting. So that didn't work out. And it would have all been solved. And there was a lot of pain too involved with that. She was, I, <laughs> she was something. And so just making that phone call would have prevented all of that. Mm. Or running a background check. You know, you could, there's plenty of companies do that. And that's very inexpensive. But make sure that you follow your state's guidelines with of course. that. And, uh, and we're not an attorney or a tax preparer. We only slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Craig only plays one on TV. So yep. I am a neurosurgeon, though, if you have any brain. <laughs> skipping reference checks yes it's a good practice just do it ask some open in ask some different questions too do you think that they would be good in this role or what do you think they would struggle with with this role that they're being put into like right. questions leading that you you want to get some information hey. not just did you like them do you think they'll be good of course they're going to say yes it's the five mistakes maybe some of that will come up next episode Ooh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. Well, there's one more, Craig. There is. You can go ahead. You want to you want to take a stab at it? Yes. This is a this is a big one. This is the, the I was really guilty of this at the beginning and it's neglecting onboarding. Really oh. really bad. So, the, I learned this the hard way because as I was hiring these people as I needed them at the beginning of my career, I was noticing that well, gosh, there were so many mistakes. Like I would oversell the job and they'd come in all excited. And then we, we wouldn't really onboard them. We'd sit them down and like, okay. And we'd expect too little of them so that by the time, like, you know, you're a couple months in and they haven't really done anything. You're like, dude, you got to do something. And then it's like, wait a minute. I thought that this job was like, you know, just chilling. But the lack of onboarding led to the wrong expectations, which yeah. usually led to the to them not working out. Yeah. I, I think one of the biggest failures that I saw was not being empathetic to an employee, like not mm -hmm. understanding the need of somebody if you're going to hold them to a high level of accountability. You can't have them come in and have it be loosey-goosey unless their personality type is somebody who would be an agent, right? Somebody like us, an owner. So most people aren't in that category. Most people are gonna are working for you because they're an employee, at least at this point in their life. So we have to create the structure, right? Yep. And that's what we found was if that structure's not there, they think it's just whatever, you know, it's, hey, do whatever you want here. Lots of fun. And when you start holding them accountable to dials and quotes and, and premium and all these different things, all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, I thought this was romper room. Yep. Yeah. And you should, you, I know like one of the things that I think it's hard for some of even my team and stuff, it is to realize is that when you're bringing somebody in, it's like, Oh, I don't want to overwhelm them. Right. Like I hear a lot of that or like, I don't want, but it's very unempathetic to, to let them know what the expectations are. If somebody has clear expectations, Hey, this many phone calls, this many times I want you to do this, this like, and you have a very clear outline. And the reason why I want you to do all this is by the end of the three weeks and by the end of the first week, you'll be here. And by the end of the second week, like it gives them a very clear path. And it's actually very empathetic to give them a clear expectation of what they need to do to be successful. Because 
when somebody comes into your team, they want to be successful. They don't want to yeah. not be successful. So like right. the more we can give them clarity and know what kind of reps they need to put in to be successful, then they know how to attack it and they can be successful. Where when we don't expect that much from them, they won't get the results. They won't expect much from themselves. And the the next thing you know, you're going to want to fire them. Yeah. And you're That's frustrated. And you're frustrated. Right. Yeah, and if you haven't done the work, then you're probably going to blame them. Yep. Yeah. So, tease it, well, Craig. Oh, oh, I will tease it. You ready for this little tickle? Next week, we're going to flip that script. We're going to flip this script. We're going to show you five solutions, and it might not even be next week. It could be in a couple of days. I don't know. Who knows the schedule? But it doesn't matter. The next episode, will have the five solutions that are going to make your hiring game super strong, like this bicep. So don't miss it. That's it. Subscribe. We'll see you back. See ya. Go to the YouTubes if you haven't.